Hey guys, welcome to the Fellowship Greenville Students Podcast. This week, Bob Greer talks about Jesus' birth at the time of Caesar Augustus' rule in Luke 2. He talked about how people treated Caesar like an idol and challenged us to look at what things in our lives we see as idols. Bob also talked about what it would look like if we all lived like Jesus was king of our lives and how that would change our day-to-day life. We hope you enjoy this message. Good morning, y'all. Um, so like Dallas said, my name is Bob. Um, I've actually been at Fellowship Greenville for about five years, and Dallas is one of the, the first guys I became friends with here, Be- mostly probably because I've been serving in, in the student ministry area for most of that time, you know, either as a, a middle school small group leader or now currently as a high school small group. I got a couple of those dudes right here. Yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah woo. <laughs> wow. Um, anyhow, so that's me. Yeah, um, that's what I do here. But I, I also love, I, I, like, since becoming a Christian, I also love, like, I love the Bible, right? I love what God has to say to us. Um, and so hopefully today we can look at that and then maybe we'll all, we'll all hear what God is saying to us today. On top of that, I, I absolutely love Christmas time and, and, and like, like, I love everything about Christmas. Any other fans of Christmas here? So I'm not sure what's wrong with those of y'all didn't raise your hand. I'm just kidding. It's okay. Sorry. But, but, but we all would kind of recognize and know if we've been in church for a while that Luke 2 is one of those passages that kind of teaches us the Christmas story. And that's, that's what we'll look at today. We'll kind of look, look through the first little section of Luke 2 there and just, and just see see what God is saying to us in there. Um, but before we do that, I'd actually like to play a, another game. Yeah, right? Cool, another game. Yeah? yeah no. Calm down. Everybody gets to participate. If you want to participate, you're, you're welcome to participate. Um, but here's the idea. I want you, first of all, to, set, like, in your mind, separate yourselves from what you think you know about the Christmas story, right? Forget, forget for just a moment, at least, like, what, what, what we know about the Christmas story and, and those things that we know about it. Because I want, to, I want us to kind of frame like how we, how we might do it. Like if we, were, if, we were, if we were God for just a moment, just this one moment right now in time for this little game, like how would we enter creation, right? And so some questions I want to ask is if it was us, up to us, like who would we go see first? Like what kind of house would we live in? And who would you visit first? Like those are some questions. Give me some answers. Anybody? Who would you visit first? Come on, somebody, somebody. Like, if you were God, how would you come to creation? Like, how would you, how would you arrange it? How would you come into creation? Go ahead, bro. What kind of house would you live in? Give me that one. You live in the white? Great. That's a great answer, bro. What else? What do you got? Um, Come in on a spaceship. I love it. What you got? I love these answers. What do you got? That's a good one. What do you got? (laughs) I love it. Make sure that. Oh. That's a good one. All right, one more. Last one back here. Who would, who would be the first people you'd visit? Who would be the first people you'd visit? Over here. 
Visit the king first? I love it. Those are great answers. Man, that's fantastic. All right, so, so let's, try to, let's try to keep all of those things Let's try to keep all of those things in mind as we actually look, look at the text. Like we, we kind of framed how we might come, come into the world if we were God, right? Let's see, let's see what actually happens here. Let's see what God wants to show us. So we're in Luke 2, verse 1. And it starts like this. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. So Luke introduces us to a character named Caesar Augustus here. Now, Caesar Augustus was the first emperor of Rome, and he wasn't always the first emperor of Rome. Like He started out like, as an adopted son of the first Caesar, um, but he kind of came to power through military might, and he was even friends with some other guys and eventually became enemies with those guys and eventually ruled the entire Roman Empire, right? Um, he kind of r- ruled with that military power still. Power and fear was kind of the idea. Like, like, mysteriously, the heirs to his throne kept dying, right? Um, he even sent his own daughter into exile at one time. Citizens in the Roman Empire were often separated by class. Like, there was a ruling class. There was what you'd call maybe sort of a middle class, but most everybody's either ruling class or, like, the low class. There was not a whole lot of in-between there. And the reason for that was, like, the heavy taxation those days kind of kept the poor poor and the rich rich. It's just how it just how it was. Even, even and so, and so he made himself so much this powerful ruler that even when he died, he was kind of referred to as the son of God. Like he had kind of created that, that, um, that uh, setting for himself. That's, that's who he was. So let's get back to the text with that in mind. Um, so the decree went out. And this was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered. So Caesar Augustus said, you need to go register. And and the entire empire moved to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. Now, these are two names in this passage, like we just heard them here, Mary and Joseph, right? But if we... if we know just a little bit about our Bibles, and probably Luke 1, we, and, and the first little section of Matthew, we learn that, that both Mary and Joseph have already been told by angels, right, that they would be the, they would be the earthly parents of the Messiah. But currently, they, their, their hometown was in Nazareth, so it took this decree from the king to move them to Bethlehem. The other thing we need to note right here. Um, is that 700 years prior to this event, prior to Jesus coming to earth, God, through the prophet Micah, (laughs) told his people the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. He even noted in that prophecy that that Bethlehem is a tiny, insignificant town. That's that's almost what he says exactly. It's just insignificant among the other tribes of Judah, Bethlehem. So while they were there, Mary and Joseph, in Bethlehem, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. So I have to, like, I have to know because up until a couple years ago, I was like, I don't, I don't really know what this word manger means. Does anybody, like, do y'all know what the word, yeah, go ahead. 
It's a feeding trough for animals. That's, that's exactly right. So the image we should get here in first century small town Judea in Bethlehem, a feeding trough was more than likely one of two things. It was either like a big cutout hole in the ground inside a house, at the back of the house, or it was a, a built wooden little um, container for it's a feeding trough. That's, that's, those are the two images we should get, either one of the two. Um, so another question I have to ask is, this, and you're going to think, what is this question about? Uh, but does anybody here own a, a, like have a cat or a dog? Where are my cat and dog people? I agree. Who's, where's, okay. Where's my dog people? All right. Yeah, I, I have a dog too. This is my dog. Come on. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Well, okay, but, but, but let's, get back, let's get back to the, the, feeding, the feeding trough idea, right? So who else's job besides mine is it, is it to clean out that food dish every now and then that your dog eats out of? Like, I, that's, part of, that's one of my jobs. Anybody else have that job? You feed them? Anyhow, so we talk, actually one of my guys up front last, last service said like, this exact experience I had with him. Only his dog eats wet food. And my dog eats dry food. But either way, like at the end of about, I don't know, a week and a half, two weeks, you have to go to that dish and you have to kind of clean it out because I'm going to create a little image for you. You're not going to like a whole lot. But either whether it be wet or dry food, that dog saliva and spit kind of mixes with that and it gets up around the edges of the dish. And <laughs> yeah, and you go and you have to go to clean it out, you know, and you have to like actually like, you know, kind of, and it's just a hard, nasty, messy, spitty substance. And it's really gross, right? It's, it's really gross. But check this out. Check this out. Like literally 700 years ago, Christ knew he was coming here, right? Like the king of the universe stepped down into our earth and spent his very first night asleep in a feeding dish for animals. At the very least, we should think that interesting, right? At the, at the least. So we're moving on. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Okay, so now we have to talk about shepherds because Luke introduced another, another group of people here to us. So shepherds in the, in the first century, in that culture, in the Roman Empire, even in the, even in the Jewish culture there, were, were thought of as second-class citizens. They were like the lowest employment rung there is. Like that's just the job where the uneducated had. They were thought of as, they were thought of as untrustworthy. They were thought of as unclean in some cases, like with the religious leaders, they were even classed in the same group as like tax collectors and other sinners. That's how they would refer to shepherds. They were just in that group of sinners. And that, that just meant a group of despised people. Those were our shepherds in this story. So verse 9, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, the shepherds, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And we're thinking, oh, and to me, like, I'm thinking, well, should I, should I have been filled with fear? But then I think back, like, in the Old Testament, there's at least one occasion where this, this phrase, the glory of the Lord, like, it's described as a, as a, cons- a consuming fire or a raging fire, right? And this, so this glory of the Lord appears around them, and there's this, there's this angel figure right there all of a sudden. I'm, I'm guessing I would have been a little afraid. I would have been. My first reaction would be fear, right? So here's the scene, though, right? The shepherds are out in the field, 
This is, it's the same job they do every night. Like, it's just it's what they do every day of their lives. They're out in the field. They're caring for their sheep. Um, maybe it's a cool night. Maybe, maybe they've had a fire that night, and a couple of them have gathered around the fire. Maybe they're telling some old shepherd dad jokes, you know. Like, like where do sheep get their hair cut? At the Baba shop, right? <laughs> or, or, or maybe another guy's like, oh, that's pretty funny, but how about, how, what do you call a dancing sheep? A ballerina, right? You know? Uh. <laughs> but but, but so, so that's their life. That's what they're doing. In that moment in time, like all of a sudden, this angel appears, right? This angel, and the, and the whole world, like the, all of their surroundings lights up. And it's the glory of the Lord shining around him. So like the, the very first Christmas light show, right here. Right here. Yeah, I'd have been a, I'd have been a little afraid too, probably. But look. Look, the angel's very first words in verse 10, and the angel said to them, fear not. Fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Yeah, yeah, including you lowly shepherds, all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So i got to stop again for a second, because that last part just like brings to mind this, this image to me. Like, so the, the, the angel's there proclaiming the good news to the shepherds, and then it's, it's almost like all the other angels in heaven are like, Oh, wait a minute, this is happening right now, let's go. we got to be part of this, and then... And then, like, they're all there. There's a, there's a, it says a multitude. That's a great crowd, a great crowd of angels and heavenly hosts. It's like they couldn't even, they couldn't even let the, angel, the one angel do it by himself. They had to be there. Like, this is such good news. They had to be there, too. And they come with praise on their lips, right? So that's the, I mean, that's the text we're looking at for today. I mean, and most of us have heard it before, and, and maybe you've, you've heard something new you haven't heard before. Maybe you haven't. Maybe you're like, yeah, I've heard, I've heard all that before. But I mean, like, the question you might be asking is, so what does that mean? What does that mean to my life? What does it mean? What does God maybe want to show me through this text today? I'm really glad you asked. I believe that God wants to show us through the Christmas story that we see right here. The difference between how we, we tend to rule our lives, our little kingdoms, our, our little pieces of our world, and how he rules his kingdom. Because if we, look, we look into ourselves, take a look into ourselves, and we, like each of us knows, we, we know. Like if left to ourselves, every last one of us are just like Caesar Augustus, Right? Like, we want to build our own kingdom. We don't like it when things don't go our way. We want, to, we want to separate ourselves from others and only hang out with the people we want to hang out with. We want to be in the spotlight, right? We want, we want, we want all these things. And oftentimes, we're, we're, we're at tension when it, don't happen our, when it doesn't happen our way, right? And sometimes, all of that comes at the cost Sometimes that comes at the cost of neglecting 
or even hurting others that we, see, that we don't see as, as important. And so this story shows us that Jesus came to overturn that way of living. Look, and it started, it started the day he entered creation. In a humble beginning, look, a humble beginning in the smallest of towns in the middle of Judea, right? He, he left his, his throne in heaven to come to a, a manger to sleep his first night, feeding trough. And literally the lowest of the low that he called out to the outcast that night, come, come and see what God has done. And that was just like the first night, right? That's the first night in creation. He stepped into creation. Jesus' entire life, entire life was lived in humble obedience to the Father's will. And I love the way, I love the, way the, the Apostle Paul puts it in Philippians. Can we get that up here? No? Okay. Sorry. <laughs> and Jesus, uh, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. So he says he, he came as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And so Paul shows us that Jesus' entire life, just like I said, was lived in, in humble obedience to the Father. And it led him to the cross, right? And it's through, it's through Christ's death that we're given life. And through his life, that we're shown how to truly live. It's through the cross that we're free to truly live because that's where we find peace with God. And I see that in the text here. Look, look in verse 14. Glory to God in the highest on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. And so when we, when we have that peace and we, when we grasp hold of that peace and we, we're made right again with God, we're finally free to truly live, right? We're free. We're free through Christ to, to love the outcast, just like he did in the story. Because we were once outcasts, right? We're free to go in his name to all the world, right? Because he left his throne to come to us. Like we're free to use our, our money, our status, our talents, our entire lives. We're free to give our entire lives to his kingdom. Because he gave it all to us. He gave all of himself to us. Like I, 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 love, I love Christmas. And I love this time of year. And I hope... That I hope that you all have seen something today that God wants to show us and helps you to, to love it a little more too. God came to be with us this night. He didn't leave us to ourselves. He came, he came to be with us into our everyday lives, into our, to our, all of our moments in life. So in a minute, just like usual, you know, the guys will go off to the left and they'll go to their small groups and girls off to the right, right? But I'd like to, I'd like to pray for us real quick and then we'll get, get out of here. Oh, Lord, we, we, we thank you for not leaving us to ourselves. We're, we're grateful that you refused our refusal. Uh, 
Help us always to, to grow in our faith and trust in you. Uh, we love you, Jesus. Thank you so much. That's in your great name we pray. Amen.